I, I want you to hang here with me for a change. I want to I wanna do something different. I want you to take your Bibles out and turn with me really quickly to our narrative for today. It's Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Listen, if you're thankful for the word of the Lord, I want you to give him praise today. Come on, if you're thankful for the word of the Lord, Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. not going to read this entire narrative even though it's only five verses I just want to jump to the end of this story beginning in verses 41 and 42 here's what happens it says Martha Martha the Lord answered you are worried and upset about many things you are worried and upset about many things things how many of you know that somehow some way even though we're in the greatest season of all many of us are worried and upset about many things at Christmas worried about this worried about that does this look good does that look right I gotta have the the right tree I've gotta have the best present I gotta have that bonus I gotta have don't y'all don't go nowhere the praise team don't don't go nowhere I don't know where you're going because I'm not finished hold on I said hang on I need my singers to come back because we ain't done told you we're doing something different Everybody give the Lord a hand clap for the praise team who's in it. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. Like the praise team leaving when they're not supposed to. Verse 42, but, but only one thing is needed. Everybody say one thing. Everybody say one thing. Look at your neighbor and say one thing said only one thing is needed only one thing this is Jesus talking he said and Mary has chosen that one thing she chose what is better what is better Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her Mary has chosen what is better look at your neighbor and say chosen better Oh, she chose better. She chose better. She chose better. I choose better in 2016. I choose better for my family in 2016. I choose better for my church in 2016. Better in my career. Better in my education. Better as an employee. Better as an employer. Come on, somebody. I choose better. I choose better. The Bible says better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Come on, somebody. Better. Y'all going to help me out? No place I'd rather than right here. Here in your 
put your hands together if you want more of God and let him know how much more of him that you want. Come on, somebody. Praise him. I want you to high-five your neighbor and say, choose better, choose better, choose better. High-five, if you don't have a neighbor, move to a neighbor. Choose better, choose better. Choose better, choose better. And then you can be seated. <laughs> Where y'all going? <laughs> I want to jump into the word of the Lord and just see what he has for us today as we engage in what I believe is an incredible cut of scripture. It's only five verses in length. However, it comes with a thesis of information, concepts, ideologies, thoughts, application. we begin our brand new series home for the holidays let me take a moment to set up the concept of home for the holidays but let me first begin by giving you the subject matter or the title for today's message and it is seasonal distractions look at your neighbor and say seasonal distractions a secondary subtitle would be choose better that's not in your notes, that's a freebie. Choose better. You see, many times the thing that keeps us from choosing better is that we're distracted by lesser things. Did you hear me? What keeps us from choosing better is that we're distracted by lesser things. Especially during this season, we're distracted by things so much so that we forget the reason for the season. The Bible says that for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But we're so distracted by, by, by the best gift by the right present, by the right tree, by the right decorations, by the right ambiance that we miss the righteous King of Kings. Touch your neighbor and say distractions. It's not only during this season that we have distractions, but every season. It just happens to be most notable in this season. We talk about, about Christmas, but we forget to talk about the Christ. We talk about the greatest gift, but we ignore the one who gave us the gift. We talk about the promise, but yet we forget about the provider. We talk about how beautiful Christmas is, but we don't talk about the beauty of Christ. We talk about being a Christ follower, but yet we forget why we follow Christ. Hello. I'm reminded of a passage of scripture in the Gospels where Jesus feeds the thousands. And after he feeds the thousands, it's late at night and so they fall asleep on the terrain. 
during the night Jesus gets up and he leaves and goes to the next city and they wake up the next morning and they're looking for Jesus to find Jesus they have to follow wherever he went and they find him in the next town and they say Jesus we've been looking for you and Jesus says you haven't been looking for me because of who I am and because you want to be like me you've been looking for me because you know that I've put food in your belly what he's saying to them is once the distraction of the hunger pains in your belly it see the hunger of your spirit you'll forget why you're following me what are you hungry for this season hello what are you hungry for this season I started to name this message hunger games what are you hungry for this season? Because we're going to look at a passage of Scripture that will draw our attention to the beauty of who God is, but also not only that, but also what He's done for us. How many of you know when you begin to reflect upon all that God has done for you, it's only preparation for what He's about to do? You see, it is when the craziness of life and the distractions of the season begin to overwhelm us on the outside. It is the Christ that is on the inside that enables me to stay strong in the midst of the difficulty. We're in a season here at Epicenter Church, a season of expansion, a season of growth, a season that God is doing something powerful. You should have seen the people in the first service. It was packed out. It was crazy. The balcony was full. It was God's doing something. We ought to praise God for what he's doing in this place because revival is breaking out here. I'll get to the text in a moment, but I need to further the context of the concept that we're talking about. I like to read leadership books, and one of the authors that I like to read is a, is a guy by the name of, of Simon Sinek. He's written many books, and one of the quotes that came from one of those books is this, people don't buy what you do. They buy why you do it. What you do only proves what you believe. Mm. I want you to look at this statement. People don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. They don't buy what, they buy why. They buy why. They buy why. Look at your neighbor and say, buy why. They buy why. Well, I thought about this concept and, and I had this question. Could it be that we're so busy doing the what that we've forgotten the why? Hello? That will apply to every area of life. Could it be that we're so busy doing the what that we've forgotten the why? I don't know if I'm making my point, but I know that our narrative will certainly make the point. Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse 38, you have a story about doing, forgetting why, distractions. It's a text that will set the course for this series. Let me begin to read with you in verse 38. If you're there, say, I am there. Somebody say, amen. I'm making sure that you're with me. Verse 38 begins like this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Hold on a second. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village 
where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Opened her home. Circle that. It's Martha's home. It's not Mary's home. It's Martha's home. She opened her home to him. Home. 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 Home for the holidays. Many of you will have people in your home for the holidays. Some of you will go home for the holidays. In fact, some of you will stay home on December 27th because we're canceling traditional service and doing an online service so that you can enjoy home with your family. Some of you will be at home for the holidays. And everything has to be just right. The decorations, the ambiance, the trees. The food, it all has to be just right. And so Martha knows that Jesus is coming through Bethany and will be stopping at her house. And so Martha calls her sister Mary and says, Mary, can you come and help me, Mary? Mary, Jesus is coming. He's coming, girl. He's coming to, through Bethany, and he's coming to my house. So will you come, Mary, over to my house and help me with all of the preparations because everything has to be just right, Mary, will you? Girl, please. I'm, I'm going to be there. Girl, I wouldn't miss this. I'm on the way right now. So Mary and Martha are, are doing all the preparatory work for, for, for the, the coming Messiah, Jesus, who's coming to their house. They're doing all the preparations. Jesus comes in, and as the preparations are still being tended to, and the plot clots in verse 39. You've got to see this. Verse 39, it says, She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. Oh, hold on a second. The moment that Jesus walked in, Mary stopped the preparations, and she sat down at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. There's this beautiful, worshipful experience that is taking place. Mary is like soaking in all of the, the, the intimacy that Jesus is offering, all of the wisdom. It's, it's like this beautiful scene. This, this, she's like a sponge. She's just taking it all in. I, I'm just hanging out with Jesus. I'm, I'm soaking in the wisdom. It's this worshipful scene. During the day of Jesus, rabbis, when they would give knowledge and wisdom, people would drop and sit at their feet to listen to the wisdom. Here's Mary. She's hanging out, listening to the words of Christ. Mary's in the den with Jesus, but Martha's in the kitchen, and Martha's in the kitchen, and everything has to be perfect. She's in the kitchen, and she's roasting the turkey, and she's putting those little onion things on top of the green bean casserole. It's got to be just right. And so look what happens in verse 40. It says, Luke writes this. He says, but Martha was distracted by all of the preparations that had to be made. But Martha was distracted. There's that word, circle it. But Martha was distracted by all of the... But Martha was distracted. But Martha was distracted. She was distracted. Everything's got to look just right. The tree's got to be just right. The place settings have to be just right. The table has to look perfect. All of the food has to be just... Just everything has to... She was distracted by the preparations. And then I begin to think, hold on a second. Jesus is in the house, but yet she's distracted. And then I begin to think about us. 
us, some of us come in here and we have our hands lifted up and we're sitting at the feet of Jesus and we're soaking in all of the beauty of who he is. But then others of us have distractions. We're distracted by the preparations of the season. We're distracted by the preparations of tomorrow. We're distracted by the problems of yesterday. We're distracted on the inside. But Jesus is here and we have all of these distractions inside of us. So Martha had to have it all set up just right. You see, Martha was thinking, it's got to look a certain way. Jesus is in the den. Martha's in the kitchen. For Martha, it was all in how it looked. It was not about the heart. It was, it was about how it looked. It was about the presentation. It was about all of the other things. But can I tell you something? The more that I thought about Martha, the more that I thought about myself, the more that I thought about you, we're the same way. We're distracted by lesser things when Jesus is the one thing. We go on Facebook and we see a picture of a family on Facebook. Oh, such and such. Just took their family pictures. You've got to see their family pictures. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's to die for. So you see this and you're like, oh, I've got to do this with my family. I, this, is what, this is what I'm expecting with my family. This is it. I've got to do this. But yet this is what you experience. You go on to Pinterest and you see this beautiful Christmas tree and you're like, pen. I gotta have this Christmas tree. It's gotta, my, my tree's gotta look just like this one. It's gotta be just, this is what you expect. This is what I gotta have. I gotta have this. This is it. So you take that picture and you set it up right beside of your Christmas tree and you begin to decorate your Christmas tree because you've seen this on somebody else's Facebook and you've gotta have it. This is what you're expecting. But yet, this is what you experience. Pinterest fell. You expect one thing, but you experience another. You, you, you want this, but you end up with that. And you have this frustration that comes into play because you're living your life based upon a thumbnail of someone else's life. And if their life can look like that, maybe mine can look like that. And so frustration sets in, distraction set in because you're expecting something different and you experience something that you didn't think you would. Let me just be prophetic here for a moment because some of you in your marriage, you're expecting something beautiful, but you're experiencing something different. And the reason why you're experiencing something different is because you've forgotten the why in your marriage. You're busy doing the doings of marriage, but you've forgotten the why of communication. Let me bring some healing to marriages right now. You cannot expect what you have not expressed. Hello? So here's Martha. Here's Martha. It's got to look a certain way. The place setting has to be a certain way. I've got all of these distractions. Jesus is in the den. I'm in the dining room. I'm putting all of this stuff together. But yet I also have a chair called insecurity, a chair called problems, a, a chair because my husband last year wasn't thoughtful to me at Christmas time because my boss hasn't given me the pay raise that I think I deserve so I won't be able to have the Christmas that I believe I should be able to have. Oh man, did I mention that I'm not doing good in school because I feel like peer pressure's all around me. I don't
don't want to study and I just have all of these problems, all of these distractions. So Martha, she said, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. I'm just not. I'm not. I'm, I'm sitting here in the dining room. They're over there in the den. All of these distractions. So look what Martha does. Verse 40. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha sounds a little why don't you tell her to help me Jesus don't you care I'm doing all the work by myself why don't you tell her to help me as if Mary's not even there Mary's like hey I'm here I'm here you think I'm here I can hear everything you're saying tell don't you care Jesus, don't you care? I'm doing all of the work. You see, she was frustrated because she had an expectation of Mary. And Mary was not meeting that expectation. But the problem was not Mary. The problem was Martha had forgotten the why. You see, the preparations were not the distractions. She just allowed the preparations to distract her from Jesus. In other words, let me say this, Jesus became the distraction. Jesus, you were supposed to be here 30 minutes from now. Everything was going great until you showed up and now she stopped helping me. She needs to start helping. Jesus, you're distracting the progress of what's happening right here at this table. Jesus, Jesus had become the distraction. And here's what's ironic. Martha is gifted with the ability to serve. You can go throughout the Gospels and you will see other stories where Martha is serving. Martha's called to serve. It's a blessing for Martha to serve. But at this moment, she doesn't see serving as a blessing, but rather she sees it as a burden. Oh. But hold on a second. Aren't we the same way? We pray, God, give me a child. Don't you care? Give me a child. And we have that child. And then we're like, God, don't you care? Oh, the responsibilities of raising this child, it's a burden. I'm tired, God. Don't you care? God, give me a job. I need a job. I need a better job than the one that I have. And the next thing you know, you're complaining about the job that God gave you. God, I want to be a blessing. I just want to be a blessing to someone. Let me be a blessing to someone. And then God uses you to be a blessing to someone, but then you complain the whole while you're being a blessing to someone. Isn't it all quiet in God's house? Why is that? It's because the blessing begins to take on the appearance of a burden. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. Because, you see, some of you have, have signed up to work in the nursery, and you're like, yeah, I work in the nursery. Woo, yeah, count me in. Woo! And then when it comes time to work in the nursery, you're like, I've got to work in the nursery today, and everybody else just gets to sit in church. 
Or you're like, I'm not going to tithe this month, God. You'll just have to understand that it's burdensome this month because it's Christmas. And I have to have all the money that I can get to be able to buy these gifts. It's burdensome. It's bur How can it be burdensome when every gift that you have has been given to you by God? Everything that you have acquired has been given to you by His hand. The job that you have has been given to you by God. So if it's burdensome to bring back 10% to Him, how can that be? Aren't we thankful God didn't flip it and say, give me 90%? Hello? Listen, I, I, I'm not just preaching to you. I'm also preaching to myself. I shared with you about a month or a month and a half ago that probably about a year ago and for a, a period of about six months, I had just hit this, this roadblock in my ministry, this this. This, what I felt like was really a dead end. It was a burned out zone in my life. It was, it was like this emotionally traumatic experience for really no reason. And I was like, God, I don't understand. God, don't you care? God, don't you care about what's happening here? God, don't you care about what's not happening here? God, don't you care? So I went and I sat with one of my mentors. and He said to me, he said, Mark... He said, why did you leave the business world and go into the ministry? And I was like, let me tell you why. Because I felt God called me. I felt God call us into to, to building his kingdom. I felt God calling us into an area to where maybe no churches had, had done church the way you, we're doing church. I, I felt God say, listen, I want you to run to the need. I want you to see the need and feel it. See the hurt and heal it. That's, that's what I want you to do. And I was passionate about that. He said, that's your why. That's your why. He said, you can't lose focus of your why. It doesn't matter what's happening or what's not happening. What's happening and what's not happening cannot outweigh your why. Because the moment that it begins to outweigh your why, you will see your blessing as a burden. Oh, that's good. The moment that, the, that, that, that what's happening or what's not happening in your life begins to outweigh the why, what you were called to do, you will no longer see as a blessing, but rather as a burden. Martha was seeing her call to serve as a burden. Some pastors, they'll preach this, this message and, or, or this passage and they'll say, you know what, we just need more, we need more Marys and fewer Marthas. I don't see that in this text. I, I don't think that's a part of the conversation in this text. See, it says that the house is Martha's house. Had Martha not been working so that she had a house, then Jesus wouldn't have had a place to go to. And Mary and her cute little behind wouldn't have had a place to sit down so that she could have a conversation with Jesus if it were not for Martha. Jesus didn't come to eat Mary's food. He came to eat Martha's food. Hello? Preachers will say stuff like, well, 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 uh, we just, you know, you can't get caught up in the busyness of being a Martha. I, I don't really necessarily see that exactly either in this conversation. Because let me just be honest with you, if it were not for Martha's, we would not be eating. <laughs> what Jesus is saying to Martha is, Martha, you, you've lost focus of your why. And the moment that you lose focus of your why, you will look at the blessing that you've been called to be as a burden. And when you see it as a burden, you will forget who you're worshiping. Good Lord, have mercy, that's good. 
Hold on a second. Let me say that again for those of you who may have missed that. When, when, when you see your blessing that you've been called to be as a burden, when you see that, you will forget who you were called to worship. You'll forget who you were worshiping. Martha's forgotten who she was worshiping. Commentators will say, well, there's really two personalities that are present in this passage. There's, there's the, the people-oriented person who's Mary, and then there's the task-oriented person who's Martha. That's probably the case. There is that presence there. But I really think that what God is doing is he's using Mary and Martha to teach us a lesson. You see, because Martha thinks Mary has the problem. Mary doesn't have the problem. Martha has the problem. So many times in life, we think that it's everybody else who has the problem. What we really need to do is evaluate self to determine if it is everyone else who has the problem. If it seems like everyone else has an issue with you, if it seems like every job that you have, the boss doesn't like you and you don't like the job and so you have to find another job, if it seems like every church that you go to doesn't seem to fit your liking, if it seems like every relationship that you have ends, then the problem may not be the person that you're in a relationship with. The problem may not be the church that you're going to. The problem may not be the job that you have. It may not be the boss that you have. It may not be your husband. The problem may not be Mary. The problem may be you. Don't you care, Jesus? Don't you care? <laughs> my husband just is not as thoughtful as he should be. My boss didn't give me that raise. I did. Oh, God, everything's not perfect. Don't you care? Don't you care? And then Jesus, in a way that only Jesus can, in verse 41, he speaks to the heart of the matter. Look what he says. He says, Martha... Martha, you are worried and upset about many things. Say, Martha, you're worried. You're upset about many things. Martha, you're, you're worried. You're, he spoke to her problem. Her problem was fear. She had fear in her heart. He spoke to that problem, that, that fear that was, well, if everything doesn't look the, the right way, if the place settings are not correct, if the tree doesn't look beautiful, if my family pick doesn't turn out as good as theirs, if my boss doesn't give me that, if, if I don't get past this insecurity, if I can't get past this loneliness, maybe they won't accept me, maybe I'll not be a success, maybe I have to do all of this work to earn the respect and love of Jesus. Martha, Martha. Listen, let me illustrate it this way. I, I am a hard worker. I just stake my claim in working hard. It comes from a long line of workaholics. And working hard sometimes can be problematic. My grandfather would say to me, Mark, you always want to be the hardest working man in the room. Just make sure you're not the only one in the room. I like working hard, but sometimes in working hard, I lose perspective. And so sometimes my family and friends will say, and even staff, they'll say, let's do this. And I'll, I'd be like, oh, man, I'd love to do that, but I can't because some of us have to work for a living. And the rest of y'all just get to have fun. You know, it, I say it in jest, and it's kind of funny, and it's kind of none of you laugh, but it is kind of funny. And 
And um, I say that, I, I say it, I say it to Kim all the time. She hears, I'd love to, but I can't um, because some of us have to work for a living and the rest of us just get to have fun. And, and, and even though I say it in jest, I'm going to be honest with you. Sometimes I look at my friends who are pastors and I look at their, their Facebooks and I look at their Twitter account and I, I look at their Instagram and I'm like, man, all they're doing is, is hunting and, and all they're doing is fishing and, and, and they're playing golf and they're on vacations. And I'm like, don't y'all work? Don't y'all work? What in the world? Man, I'm trying to build a church. I'm trying to grow God's kingdom. Don't you work? And I'm frustrated. And I think that's where Martha was at. <laughs> Jesus, don't you care? He said, Martha, Martha, the problem is not Mary. The problem is the expectations that you've placed upon yourself. You're now placing upon her. Good Lord have mercy. Let's shut the Bible down. Let's go home. That was good. The expectations that you've placed upon yourself, you're placing upon her. And therefore, when you don't experience what you expected, you're frustrated and mad at her. But the problem is not her. The problem is you. Let me go one step further. He's saying, Martha, the thing that is most important, the one thing has become secondary. How many of you know that the Holy Spirit convicts us? Say amen. Well, not only does the Holy Spirit convict me, but Holy Kim convicts me. And I don't like it. Especially when she's right. I don't like it. And recently she said to me, she said, Mark, I, I know... I know that you're in God's word. I see you in God's word. I see you. I know you're in God's word. You're in God's word all the time. But when you're in God's word all the time, you're always thinking about a message for others. You're always hoping God will speak to you to give you a message for others. You're just looking for the next message. But sometimes God's not wanting to give you a message for others. He's wanting you to stop long enough so that you can receive a message from him. Not a message just for others, but a message for you. What she's saying is sometimes you're so busy doing for others that you miss the opportunity to receive from him. Don't give her any fuel for the fire here. What she's saying is sometimes you're too busy doing the what that you forget the why. I hate even to admit this. But what she's really saying is sometimes you're so busy being Martha when you need to be Mary. Now, I, I, I'm not saying that we all need to be a bunch of Marys, a bunch of lazy people. I'm not saying that. Hello? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that it's the spirit of Mary that brings Martha into alignment with God's will. Ooh. You'll see this because this is deep. You, you have to see this. The question should not be, okay, God, I don't know where they are. There they are. Okay, praise the Lord. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> the question is not what needs to be done. That's not the question we need to ask. The question that we need to ask is what does God want me to do? Do, do you see the difference there? 
Not what needs to be done, but what does God want me to do? Because what you need to understand is that Martha can't be the Martha that she needs to be without first kneeling like Mary. You see, I can't be the pastor that I need to be without kneeling like Mary. I can't be the father that I need to be without kneeling like Mary. You can't be the mother that you need to be without kneeling like Mary. You can't be the employee that you need to be without kneeling like Mary. You can't be the student that you need to be without kneeling like Mary. You cannot realize who God has called you to be without first realizing the why he called you to be there. And he is the why. You see, I cannot lose focus of why because he is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, that if I'll trust in the Lord with all of my heart and lean not upon my own understanding and in all of my ways acknowledge Him, kneel before Him, He will make my path straight. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but plans to prosper you. So I kneel down before I go to work. I kneel down when I'm on top of the mountain. I kneel down when I'm in the valley. I kneel down before I preach. I kneel down. I kneel down. Come on, somebody. We've got to kneel like Mary. Somebody ought to praise the Lord in this place like you really mean it. Come on and give God praise. Crazy praise. So watch what happens. Martha, Martha, you're worried and upset about many things. Anxiety is in your life. But look what he says. He says, but only one thing is needed. Everybody say one thing. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Only one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen what is better. Only one thing. Listen, I don't know if you're grabbing this or not. But what Jesus is telling us is that our willingness to fall down before him when distractions are all around us is the antidote to anxiety. <laughs> You're worried about many things, but she chose what is better. <laughs> the one thing, the one thing. But, but, but hold on a second. Jesus, Mary's not helping. I'm better. But, but, but my fine, I'm better. But my boss, but my, my boss, he said, I'm better. But the doctors, I'm better. I'm better than your problems. I'm better than your difficulty. I'm better than your mess. I'm better than your situation. I'm better than your calamity. I'm better. I'm better. I'm better. You need to stop. You need to stop expecting things from man and start experiencing things from God. Good God Almighty, that's good. You see, here, Martha, 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 you think the problem is Mary's not doing work. And what I've been doing is using Mary to do a work in you. Good heavens. What you need to understand, Martha, is it's, it's not your preparations that brings change to the environment. It's my presence that brings change. Because the one thing is me. The one thing. The one thing. The one thing. Choose better. Look at your neighbor and say, one thing, one thing is needed, one thing. Now, I'm going to take you to another place in the book of Psalms. Can I do that? Just remain standing. Psalms chapter 27. 
I don't normally wear ties, and I realize why. <laughs> but in Psalms chapter 27, David, who is a man who found himself distracted at times in life, self-inflicted at times, others at times had come against him, and he writes a beautiful psalm here. He says this. He says, now think back, one thing. Everybody say one thing. One thing, one thing. So my mind goes to this passage. I want you to see this. It says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Doesn't matter what's around me. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Uh, verse 2. When the wicked advanced against me to devour me, it is my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall mm, when distractions all around me. Mm, when the possibility of sickness is before me. When I'm distracted by what's not happening underneath my Christmas tree. Watch this. Though war break out against me, though an enemy besiege me, though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. Why? <laughs> because this is why one thing, look at verse 4, one thing, one thing, everybody say one thing, one thing, one thing that I ask. Here is Jesus in, in the New Testament telling Mary there's one thing that's needed, one thing that's needed, Mary, Martha, one thing that's needed, Martha, and that's to be in my presence. That's the one thing, look what he says. He says, the one thing that I ask from the Lord, and this is the only thing that I seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek Him in His temple because I want to be next to Him. I want to kneel before Him. He's the one thing that brings security. He's the one thing that overcomes my problems. He's the one thing that brings help. Come on, somebody, help me preach. He's the one thing that enables me. He's the one thing that encourages me. He is the one thing. He's the one reason for the season. He is the one thing. Jesus. Come on and give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. The one thing. So many times we make it about everything else, but the one thing that is needed is to kneel before the Lord. I choose better. <laughs> when seasonal distractions are all around me, Richard, I choose better. 